The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. We begin a Thursday at Red Eye Radio post-debate headquarters now let's go over to the red-eye radio post-debate headquarters desk with gary mcnamara well in the nba last night (laughs) did you decide to bring something relevant to the (laughs) i mean it's you know you see the news alerts all day it's like make sure you tune into and i'm thinking why why? I mean, it's I, during the day I was thinking, is this more of a, hey, I'm auditioning for vice president de- debate. And then I thought, not really. I mean, it, it might be for Nikki Haley, but I, I don't think it is for any of the others on stage. And word is that that Senator Tim Scott is running on fumes as, as far as uh, funds are concerned. And so, you know, there's there's a speculation that he might be the next one to drop out. I guess we'll see. But, you know, you you and I have kind of you know split it down and said, okay, uh, who is more likely to stay in? Well, Chris Christie wants to do it for the entire reason that he got in. He just wants to be a thorn in the side of, of Donald Trump, and he's not really campaigning in the way that you campaign. Uh, Nikki Haley, there's some promising numbers, uh, at least in one poll. And, uh, you know, that might keep her going for a while. We'll see what the donors do. DeSantis has some money. He can stay in for a while. Ramaswamy is using a lot of social media. And he can do that for a while. And he's also wealthy, so he might be able to sustain. He's got gas money. To get from A to B. Yeah, but he's not going anywhere. Well, he's, well, he's not. You know, his... But it's it's about basically not if they're going to drop out. It's when. I guess the question is when they will drop out. And the fact of the matter is, is that nothing is really changing in the polls in a big way. And you have to ask yourself, because we've been pointing out that 
nothing is really going to change. I, I don't see anything changing in the polls for Donald Trump. If, if, if it wasn't, if it was going to change, it would have changed by now with everything that's out there thrown at him. Uh, it seems that he's actually gaining in the polls. And well, so the others, the others aren't moving. So you have to ask yourself, what would it take? He would have to proactively, voluntarily decide he's not uh, any longer going to run for president. And I don't see that happening either. Well, I, I think the, the, the one thing, and I uh, somebody at National View, I think, uh, said it, I forgot who, um, but said um, it's meaningless. It yeah. doesn't mean anything. Right. So that right. takes any oomph out of it. Now, you can say, well, there's that you you do get some useful information out of it. For example, a uh, lot of a uh, lot of focus and we'll play it coming up here in a little bit. A lot of focus on Nikki Haley's abortion mm-hmm. uh, uh, opinion and explanation, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of Republicans seem to like. Mm hmm. Which was, you know, look, I'm pro-life, but this isn't a federal issue anymore. It's to the states. Right. And even though I don't like what they what they did, we, you know, we basically as Republicans need to focus on the the fact of, uh, you know, especially in the states of of uh, partial birth abortion. Mm-hmm. And as she pointed out, uh, and as was pointed out last night, it's something that we have said before and and said it again last night, Republicans have to, and, and it, by the way, it was her tone also, you know, yeah. it was the, the, the way that the, the tone that, that she put into it. Uh, but as we have, we have said, there have been, cause there's all this disappointment, you know, that, that we saw on the whole, uh, because of the abortion proposition, the constitutional proposition in uh, Ohio, which, um, you know, they, they put it in the constitution of Ohio. Now, mm. we knew that was going to happen in states. Right. We knew it was going to happen. But we also know that all the polls show the majority of people don't believe in abortion until birth. Mm-hmm. And as we stated last night, that is the difference. That is the actual improvement from when I started covering abortion. I mean, I was part of the news media covering the abortion protest in Buffalo back in the early 90s that was absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely insane at that particular point. Right. And there's been a, a huge advancements in the in the opinions that Republicans can give about the morality of abortion and where the majority of Americans actually stand right now, which is and and she didn't take it as far as, you know, we do, which is uh when you look at it, Americans aren't for partial birth abortions or not for abortions till birth. They want a limit on it, which takes out a number of arguments from the Democrats. It's no longer about a woman's body. Mm. You know, that was the one thing. It's my body. I can do what I want with it. Don't you dare tell me what to do with my body. Mm-hmm. But even the majority of women want limits on abortion, which means the time span when the baby is in the womb, which right. means they don't even buy that argument anymore because, you know, and this is what I think Republicans should be be saying because the American public believes by a majority that sometime in the womb, the 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 fetus becomes uh, a baby, mm. and the difference is for the majority of Americans is not it's my body I can do whatever I want it's it's my body until the point of life starts mm. human life starts. And as we talked about yesterday, so at that point, the only difference is the time span. Mm-hmm. 
Most pro-lifers believe it begins a conception life. And then you have this scale all the way down to the Democrats who believe, the Democrats on the federal level who believes that you can get an abortion right up to birth. Mm -hmm. But the majority of Americans are not with that opinion, which means that's what you're working on right now. And you have to convince, you know, uh, uh, people because you've already convinced them. You've convinced the majority of Americans that it becomes a human life in the womb. Mm -hmm. It's just what's the time span of it? Well, that's what you need to work on as a political as a political party. And you need to bring up, as she did, uh, that you know, she said, goes, look, I'm pro-life. And she explained why. And I'll, we'll let her say it when we play it here coming up in a little bit. And and so that's really important because the one thing that came out of yesterday, because you look at it, for example, and you look at Kentucky. Well, you see that the um, – oh, I forgot his name, the, uh, the challenger for the Republican side. Uh, he lost – by like five percentage points. But you look at the Secretary of State and Attorney General, they won by huge margins. Mm-hmm. There were people that voted for Republicans but wouldn't vote for the for the uh, re- Republican uh, governor uh, nominee. You look at uh, a lot of the, uh, you know, spending issues. You look at Long Island. You saw that in the suburbs there. It's like, well, Republicans yeah. can't win in the suburbs. Well, they are in New York. Right. And, and so... Yeah. There's a lot of things you can't read too much into an election. People start to to panic, you know, on it immediately. And it's like there's plenty of time for Republicans to get their act together and start worrying about messaging. The problem with the one of the problems with the Republican Party is the fact that we're too caught up in personalities and not policy and how to explain policy. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the one thing that. And you and I have talked about this, and that's the communication portion of it. The other thing is, in this time period, Donald Trump is not forced to answer where he stands on issues. Mm -hmm. He will volunteer, you know, at his rallies, but he doesn't get into the dirt and the minutia. He says things like, you know, on the abortion issue when he said it. And I said, you could be the most loyal Trump supporter, and you know it's delusional when you say, Right now, I would come up with a plan that both Democrats and Republicans would completely embrace on abortion. No, that's not going to be the case. There's always going to be people that object, you know, that object to it because there are major differences in how people think and the Democratic Party itself. Now, he may there may be there may be a thing where people will accept it. The people of the country would accept a particular time span on abortion. The Democratic Party wants it. They understand they understand what I just said. They understand that the American public now, the majority, believes that it becomes a human life sometime in the womb. It's just the difference. They have to. The Democrats believe they have to say abortion till birth. Even though they won't say that, the laws that they want to pass are abortion till birth. Mm-hmm. And so they know, they, they know that. But uh, I think that came out of it yesterday. You have a starting point of how to explain your stance on abortion. And I think that's the one thing that came out of the debate last night for uh, Republicans. I think that's what Nikki Haley did. Well, and and that's basically, I mean, if you look at it, that's what the Supreme Court was saying in their decision. And it's something we've talked about. Oh, and she she said that, too, by the way. Yeah, this is this is and 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 that is really the essence of what that issue is now. It's not going to get done on Capitol Hill. And no. it you could sit and debate this for 100 years on Capitol Hill. You're just not going to get to that point 
I don't believe we're going to ever get to that point on the federal level in our lifetime. That's why it's important for the GOP to focus on what the states are going to do with it. Right. And, and, and which, which also will change the way people vote as, as you pointed out yesterday. You know, if, if that's on the ballot, that may motivate people to get to the, in any given state, may motivate people to get to the polls. And for Democrats, if they get to the polls because of that and not because of Joe Biden, they still get to the polls. And, you know, that's if they're worried about voter apathy and something is on the ballot, then you know, like that, then, you know, that could be their motiva- motivator and that could change elections. But it, it, it will be, I think, long term. You know, one of the things that another thing we've been talking about is, is the national debt and where we are. You know, with the economy, where we are right now as a nation, and so much has to be undone from the Biden years to fix it. It it feels like we've been stuck in this for a decade. It really feels like somebody was mentioning something about uh, COVID, and it was like they were referencing something from mid-2020, and then they jumped to something that happened in late 21. And I thought to myself, It feels like we're in the 2030s. It feels like Biden has been there for a decade. It feels like we have been in this pattern of everything is broke for a long, long time. And it is going to be that kind of mountain of a task for whoever it is to come in. And it's going to take the entire party working together in order to undo what Biden did, because the American people are going to expect things to happen very quickly. Well, I, I was uh, looking at uh, my because my my buddies, my I'm on a group text with my buddies who live in Buffalo and the Erie County executive, the one there, the one county there in western New York mm. that allowed the illegal immigrants immigrants in and then all the things happen. They were hoping that the Republican woman who ran against him uh would have a chance and they were extremely disappointed mm. and i said well maybe you should pick a better candidate yeah because she's right. a candidate who had to delete a bunch of tweets right about a stolen election and then had to admit later on that it wasn't a right. stolen election yeah. and then uh she put a tweet out about uh damar hamlin the buffalo bills football player and and the fact that uh you know the conspiracy theory that he basically died from covid yeah not died because he didn't die then he that the heart to die, his heart problem that, that the heart problem yeah, was COVID yeah, right. without any evidence, and she had to delete that also. Yeah. And it's like maybe you should maybe you should have candidates that don't have baggage that yeah. can get in there and talk strictly on the issues and not give the Democrats any leeway whatsoever. That you can and you can right now as a Republican candidate on any level, you can slam dunk and destroy every Democrat on the issues because they're that radical. Yeah. And on abortion, you can make a solid case about where we are as a country and that not be an issue for you being elected. Yeah. Because when you think about it, in the suburbs of New York, where you now have, and I will have the article coming up, where you had a a huge district that that swung uh, to a Republican, there's there's shock there because you're talking about one of the most liberal places. Right. And and we're talking about the suburbs of Long Island that Mm. now completely... Completely Republican across the board. Yeah. Well, and then you saw in Colorado, there's a the proposition on spending that, you know, that they knocked down. And Texas, I'm telling you, 
the the proposition on the wealth tax in Texas, yeah, that has been framed as going after the rich, right. and and there was a proposition in Texas that said that that the legislature can't pass or the legislature can't pass any uh, wealth tax mm-hmm. on or wealth or net worth tax at all unless you go to the people for a vote. That passed seventy to thirty. Mm-hmm. Now Texas is considered a red state, but it's not as much of a red state as other states, right? As you might think. Mm-hmm. And so you look at it and you go, "My God!" Fiscally on those things for the for the for the for the tax cut, eighty three to seventeen for property tax cuts. Well, those are the things that that people aren't even liberals aren't willing to give up. Many liberals, not all of them, aren't willing to give up about Texas. It is, in fact, it's what is attractive about Texas is the low taxes and, and the approach to taxation in the state. And that, and, and you look at some of the, the liberal newspapers and what they were endorsing, too. You go back on those propositions and it was like, wow, are you kidding me? You know, coming out of the, uh, you know, the Austin area uh, or the Houston Chronicle and you're looking at it going, my gosh. You know, but it's, again, all these things are easy to explain. The issues right now, all you have to do is point. All you have to do is point. And the GOP needs to pull it together and bring it together for the next year. There has to be that kind of focus. 866-90-RED-EYE. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Cold temperatures and water can lead to only one outcome, and ice has no place in a truck's air system. That's why it's absolutely crucial to keep your air system moisture-free as temperatures begin to drop. If a vehicle didn't have an air dryer, the air system would be filled with that water, which can lead to dangerous and costly premature brake failures. To add insult to injury, if it's cold enough, that liquid will freeze, threatening air supply to various systems, including the transmission and suspension. Ice in the air system can also disable the compressor, for example, along with any of the air valves in the system. Make sure your air system is in top condition before plunging temperatures. Put it to the test. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Now, I think Trump politically was right not to go into the debates. There's no reason to do so. Right. But I would like to know if uh, if he's a Republican nominee, which it looks like he's going to be, uh, what he plans on doing in the second term. And I say this based on the fact that when he, he when he became president, he did th- he said he was going to do things that he ended up not doing. And I was happy he didn't do them, and he went in a separate direction. Mm-hmm. I was happy. You know, when you talk about inflation, for example, I'd like to know what he would do to lower prices. Specifically, what he would do to lower prices, because that's what the public thinks he will do. Mm-hmm. Well, how will you do it? Tell me how you're going to do it. As we mentioned yesterday, if you're going to put a 10% tariff on every product that comes into the United States, that's the opposite of what the people of the United States wish you to do because they want you to lower prices because that's the number one issue for Americans right now, mm-hmm. lowering prices. And they don't believe Biden can do it. Well, that's a huge advantage. Well, if you're out there pounding that every day, you know, in in the debate format, not the rally format, because that's not getting widespread publicity anymore. Mm-hmm. His rallies don't. Right. And so you want him on there saying, OK, here's what I'm going to do to lower prices and when he's come out and said i would put a 10 percent tariff on every product that comes into the united states well then you're going to skyrocket prices which is the opposite of what the american public wants you to do would you still do that now Eric Harvey taking your calls. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harvey and I'm Gary McNamara. Yes, so politically I understand why Trump didn't go into the debates because I probably wouldn't either if I had that kind of a lead. And the whole thing is if you're a candidate is to win. But what you do miss is, you know, last night, and and this was really the interesting thing because Ramaswamy went nuts at the RNC and Ronna McDaniel and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> asked her to resign and then went after NBC and Welker and all that. And it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a moment that got a great response because it's how a ton of Republicans feel. Why the hell are you doing one with NBC? But then the, uh, and I haven't been able to watch the entire debate from start to finish. That's not going to happen until later on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, later on today, just because uh, I'm, I'm sleeping. So I, I, you know, I couldn't do that. So I can't give you an analysis from watching from start to beginning. But the people that I did, the conservatives that I saw said, it's really amazing that Ramaswamy said that. And then the NBC, 
NBC ended up having a much better debate and much better <laughs> moderators asking questions than Fox did. Yeah. And these are from, yeah. coming from conservatives. And I'm yeah. like, oh, wow. So, you know, he had the moment, which is, you know, that's a moment. But it's not about policy. It's not about how you win the presidency. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a you know, internal beef with Republicans, which gets you that moment, gets you that viral moment, because it went viral, and we'll play that a little bit later on. Uh, but one of the analysis of this from conservatives I trust is this was really one where you didn't have a lot of attacks going back and forth. It was an opportunity to talk about policy. And that's where, uh, when it comes to Trump right now, the media isn't covering the rallies right they're not covering what he is saying on on whatever on policy if trump was in these debates you'd have a lot more people watching and it would give him the opportunity number one to clarify because he's flip-flopped on issues before and and when he's flip-flopped i've agreed with this (laughs) flip-flop i'm like okay i'm glad he did that Mm -hmm. he did that a lot on economic issues that you know both you and i disagreed with and he ended up not going in that direction. Even if he promoted, he was still going in that same direction. It's like, well, he actually didn't. And a lot of his followers, not all, but a lot of his followers don't care where he stands on the issues. They just want him in. Right. It's a, well, if Trump did it, well, then he knows what he's doing. If he changed his mind, whatever. I know we got that consistently uh, during his uh, during his presidency. But right now, you've never the vast majority of Americans have never gone through this inflation like this ever. They haven't. It's the number one thing. Prices. Prices aren't going to go down over the next year. Trump has a perfect opportunity. As you were saying, the Wall Street Journal pointed out how Trump in his deregulation, number one, you know, how that helped boost the economy and lower prices. Yeah, this is a piece done, um, Regulators Gone Wild, which was done uh, back in August from the Wall Street Journal. And they broke down the cost per household of regulation under different presidents. And under Biden, it's over 5000 per household. I, I wonder since August if it's even gone up from there. Uh, but during the Trump years, he got it down to, what was it, 2636 was the uh, estimate. And under Obama, it was somewhere around $4,300. But it is a very clear, you know, th- those are the things that, that these are the points that Trump can get across. He can do two things. He can point to the current situation. He can also point to his administration and the years leading up to COVID. And those are the things where he can be effective. Now, I think what he has to do, too, is he's going to have to find out if what I suspect is true. uh, And that is, I know it is true to some extent. I just don't know to what extent. And that is the farmers and and which will drive a lot of the independents in the farm states uh, either away from you or to or or in the direction toward you. And is there a concern that he would impose tariffs again and disrupt the trade routes? Because that's not something they want to revisit. That's not something Mm -hmm. they want to go through. Now, they may not be concerned. They may say, well, no, I don't, you know, I don't want to go through it again, but I don't believe he's going to do that. And that's something that they're going to have to get some internals on because you're going to have to convince them that you're not going to do that. And you've already talked about tariffs in a broad sense, in the broadest uh, way, by saying 10% on everything, which means 
that, of course, there would be 10 percent increase on tariffs from our trade partners on the other side, which disrupts the uh, the trade process. And that's the you know, those are the things where he's going to have to go in and campaign and and convince people on the ground that that's not going to be the case and assure them that he's going to work to make it you know more of a free market situation you're you're out though you have you if you're in the debate you have the opportunity then to clarify that to a much much bigger audience who says Mm -hmm. oh i didn't know that Mm -hmm. because nobody is paying attention to his and i'm not talking about the converted the Mm -hmm. republicans that are actually there because you're not the whole goal is you're not worried about convincing the converted it's the independent that you want we've seen that exactly my point the the other night we saw that Mm -hmm. but he has the opportunity to come out and talk about regulations and to bring up what the wall street journal said regulation costs the american family less because we deregulated it and and uh and oh here's what uh here's what biden has uh done i would reverse that i would make sure we had you know uh and you can make it simple you do regulation and you do gasoline and you do uh uh, natural gas the exploration and how we're going to lower cost across the board because we will flood the market we will make it a national a national emergency that energy, you know, as much energy has to be produced from the United States. And we're going to do everything we can to take off the EV mandates. Yep. Right. You know, we want right. to, you know, the, these things don't solve the problem. And then you go into the fact of the, 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 the bogus stuff about, about uh, climate change, not, not in a generic climate change, any kind of rant, but just the specifics of the fact of of there is no panacea mm-hmm. and bring up the fact that liberals say EVs and at the same time they don't want to mine to get what you need to get the EVs because right. the EVs. So there is no purity here. There is no clean air, clean water, clean world because of EVs and alternative energy. And you need to explain that to the American people. But you also, at the same time, the number one issue is lowering prices. And you go in and you talk about lowering prices before a much bigger audience that would have tremendous amount of interest. But it's not going to happen. It's it's an opportunity, though, that he had. I don't know if I don't know if he had with everything going on right now, whether he could do that, whether he feels he is so under attack that if he comes under attack, in a debate, he just strikes back, and you're not talking policy anymore. It gets to be just the the anger back and forth. And but he has great opportunity. He is incredible opportunity right now because of the whole thing with prices and the things that he already did in his last administration to promote. Here's what I'm going to do here. Here's what yeah. I'm going to do here right. because now this is the problem. It's not the jobs because of population. You know. As he brought up, and he probably wouldn't bring it up now, but he did with Jim Acosta way back in his administration when Acosta was booted out. Everybody forgets what Trump was talking about, which was we need a ton more of legal immigration. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think the public wants to hear that right now, especially because the border is so crazy. No, the, the polls show that, that look, we need to fix the border first, and, and then we can all calm down, take a breath, and maybe later talk about legal immigration and, but then and he, visas. He, he promotes that, though. Mm-hmm. That's what he promotes. Sure. We need to we need yeah. to secure the border to do this, so we can well, do this and, at that. And point. that's something. Right now, you look at it, and and the polls show that that the American people would support that. His approach from 2016 would be well received, I believe, by uh, 
enough Americans, not not all, but you you talk about it. You say, I'm, we're going to secure the border. We're going to have a budget. We're going to build a wall. We're going to do all the things that we wanted to do in the in the beginning to secure the border and give the Border Patrol everything they need to do it. And that includes instead of hiring 80,000 more IRS agents, we need to hire 100,000 more Border Patrol agents because national defense is the number one role of the federal government. And then you go to just what happened yesterday after Iran shot down our drone over international waters. We're doing strikes in Syria, as we pointed out, many others pointed out. We're now back into that. You hurt us a little bit. We'll hurt you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they want. Right. And no, they want and, to draw and, you in. Right. And, yeah. and, and Trump, you know, as we said, remember when they were going after the ships, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, the oil tankers. Right. And we're like, is Trump going to attack? And at the last moment, he says, no, we're not going to attack this way. What he said was, and, and it was effective, we're going to kill the leaders. Right. We're going to find out. Forget about these little targeted strikes that really don't do anything to dissuade Iran or its proxies whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It just starts going back and forth what they want because they know you're not going to really do what you need to do to win. You know, that that with, with Biden, he's not going to do it. Right. Trump came out and said, I'm going to kill Soleimani. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill the terrorist leader. Mm-hmm. We're going to focus on killing Iranian leaders as high up as possible if they're involved in this. And the the left hated it but yeah. it was it but it was effective and they really didn't have anywhere to go with it you know no. they they issued you know their concerns about it over and over again as they always do but it really went nowhere it it fell on deaf ears because the american people saw it for what it was the type of retaliation that you need so that's the again that's the opportunity that he is missing where he could have a much large, larger audience of the public anticipating, oh, Trump's in it? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you you get 30, 40 million viewers, and instead of, I don't know what they'll get on this one, mm. 8, 10, would it, will it beat the World Series? Mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's an opportunity, because that's what he needs right now, are the things that are slam dunk. That mm-hmm. he can win on and use his record mm-hmm. as president on the number one issue, the number one issue, which is uh, domestic issue, which is what you know, uh, 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 inflation, prices, and the number one international issue that everybody is paying attention to, and it's Israel, Hamas, Iran, mm-hmm. and he can make clear what he did at that point and differentiate the difference between Biden. And him, and he had the, you know, he's not going to do it, but he would have a much bigger audience while those stories are extremely hot, especially the international uh, stuff. Inflation's not going to go away, so he still has time to do it. But every, every time, every time he doesn't appear in a debate, that's another missed opportunity to promote the things that the American public overwhelmingly agreed with him with. And think about it in the state of Texas, because I was shocked. The whole, the whole, uh, what was it Proposition One on the farming, mm-hmm. farming and ranching and everything else mm-hmm. that they're uh, m- uh, making it so if these the wacko environmentalists want to stop it, that they really have to have a case in this, because you're not going to stop ranching, you're not going to stop farming here in the state of Texas, and you would think. 
that you would have more pushback. No, we need the regulations and the environmental regulations. That passed 80 to 20 in the state of Texas. Yeah. And that's all about sure. regulations. So the public is in tune with, are we over-regulating industry out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the farming industry and the ranching industry is an industry. Oh, it's massive it's in massive. Texas. Yes. And, and so to 80-20, those are the kind of things that I think are an opportunity for Trump that he could have, you know, done it before a much bigger audience because, like I said, the public in general is not paying attention to his rallies. The converted may, but you don't need the converted. You need the independents. And I think right now you also need your ground game. I think there are a number of states where his ground game needs to be uh, very clear, and and that's not all rallies either. In fact, I, I don't think the rallies are effective in that way either. Your ground game has to be... The real stumping that is required by you and your surrogates to promote exactly what you want to do. And that's going to have to be, that's going to have to be done. Is it, is it early? You might be able to argue that, but I don't think, frankly, right now, I don't think anything is too early if you've got the money and, and resources to do it. Well, no, I go by what you've always said. Mm-hmm. Like you're 20 points behind. You always run as yep. if you're 20 points behind. Yep. And he's, 45 points ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but he's not for the general election, and that's what you're looking that's for. That's the difference. That's the prize. He needs to be campaigning. Right. I was, almost said that earlier. He needs to be campaigning as if they're in the general right now. Well, that's the thing. If, if he was in these debates, I wouldn't want him debating against, well, I'm not debating. I'm up by 40 points. I'm not debating with these people. I'm debating Biden. Yeah, exactly. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. Uh, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. More on uh, the uh, d- debate uh, uh, last night. Uh, more analysis on the election. Uh, Representative Talib and the, the White House. Mm. They definitely, as you said, have seen internal polls on this, haven't they? Yes, they have. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We made it to a Thursday. True. I'm telling you, Christmas lights are up all over the place. Yeah. On houses. I'm like, wow, I'm just amazed. (laughs) 
Yeah, used to be on my street just a couple of years ago. Nobody really put it up, you know, put up their Christmas lights till Thanksgiving week. Mm-hmm. And I've got like three houses on my block that, that have. Yeah. And, and these are yeah. bright Christmas lights. These mm-hmm. aren't weak. They're bright. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so you can tell they've all had them installed commercially. And I think that's what it is. People get them installed commercially. They pray, pay, uh, not pray. They pay a pretty dollar for it. And it's like, well, then turn them on now. Well, and if you're going to get it done, you better get it done while you can because a lot of people wait till the last minute to call those people and mm-hmm. you're not going to get it done. They're going to be on your roof December 24th. That's not Santa Claus. That's the guy doing your lights. And, uh, I, you know, I look at the, 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 uh, the sentiment, the public sentiment right now, and it does look like I think a lot of people are looking for anything that is a distraction. The holidays are always oh, a yeah. break from everything that's yeah. going on in any way. Mm-hmm. But right now, <laughs> one of my neighbors, it was Halloween night, leaving to come here, and he had his Christmas lights on. <laughs> He and his son, I think, put those up. I don't think they're professionally done. And, uh, you know, I I don't know how many. There's a business right across the street. They don't, I don't think they ever take theirs down. Because of the shape of their building, you can't really see that they're up there year-round. And they also had them up and turned on. Uh, it was the morning after Halloween, so the morning of November 1st, leaving here, I noticed it. But I think that there is that distraction. It's it's kind of foreign to me because, you know, my kids are all grown. And it's been a long time since I even paid attention to, you know, the Black Friday advertisements and everything else. I just don't shop that way anymore. Uh, I never did the Black Friday thing, but I did look at sales, you know, you're wanting to get something for a bargain. Mm-hmm. I pretty much, if there's something that I need, I pretty much buy it. But I don't shop that way for Christmas gifts anymore because even my grandkids are older. They're like, no, here's what we want. Uh, we want either gift cards or money or whatever. And it's just, I just don't, I don't do that. And the focus has been, of course, um, you know, on family. And and I think that's another thing that people are going to focus on. Um, I haven't seen the numbers yet on inflation, on what the cost of inflation is for the average Thanksgiving dinner. But I'm sure it's way up there. You know, so if turkeys are uh, any reflection of what's going on in the poultry industry, it might be a very expensive Thanksgiving or maybe time to go vegan. But I don't, you know, I don't really, because we've had some warmer weather around here, uh, that's going to change tomorrow again. But it's just just hasn't been with so much going on in the news. Turkeys are cheaper this year than last year. I saw an ad 
for one retailer, and I thought, oh, okay, that's either a pretty good sale or the prices are down. I didn't know which was the case. Yeah, so, all right. They say turkeys are down. That's USA Today, yesterday. Uh, now, Thanksgiving 2023 from the Food Institute. Expect expensive meals. Yeah. So that's, uh, well, because the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows grocery prices uh, in general up 17%. The American Farm Bureau projected the average cost of a Thanksgiving dinner for 10 people at $64.05. Is that each or for 10? That's cheap. Hmm. The 2023 estimate is yet to be released. The Consumer Price Index, though, Shows at home food prices up two point four percent. So, I've been spending that more more than that for fewer people for for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. know where that comes from. Yeah, is it uh, is it a is it one of the nineteen seventy Swanson turkey dinners? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's what you're getting, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when. That was actually a commercial. Don't worry about cooking. Get a Swanson turkey dinner mm-hmm. with all the turkey and fixins. Mm-hmm. And they had the yeah. little the little potatoes and the little you know, right and the then, potatoes that were still frozen in the center when you got uh, it done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they're you didn't put them in a microwave. Right, you put them in an oven. Right. <laughs> So quick and convenient. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, what I think is pretty neat, and uh, I don't know if my homeowners association would allow it, but the LED lights that people have now that you attach it to your phone app so you can mm-hmm. make them any kind of color and do it a ton of things. Yeah. So yeah. I, I see, And so you have lights all year round, 4th mm-hmm. of July. Mm-hmm. You know, you have red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, any holiday comes up, you already have it. Uh, then for uh, the month of October, you know, the purple and orange. And then you just flip it over for Christmas. Yeah. I have a number of regular light bulbs that are um, uh, that I can control from an app on my phone. And they're multicolor, multi-brightness. You can change them to basically whatever you want. I use them as regular light bulbs, like my porch light. I can dim it. I can turn it on. I can turn it okay. to a different color. I can turn it off. I can schedule. I can put a schedule on it. And and so it's been super easy for lights. The only thing now is really just getting them up, putting, putting them on the house. I have seven light bulbs inside my house that really highlight the walls mm-hmm. that are the LifeX bulbs that are Wi-Fi controlled, you know, from your phone. Mm-hmm. And you can make them any color you want. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you can yeah. you can actually, it really doesn't work as well. I don't know if they've improved it. I haven't checked it in such a long time. But they have the thing where you can have, you put your phone, you start your stereo, mm-hmm. you put your phone in the middle of it, and it picks it up, and it will supposed to pulse like the music, like you're, like, yeah, like I'm having a rave, right, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's interesting how the technology has gotten to that point. I don't have that outside. Outside, 
I have the filters for my spotlights. I have mm-hmm. all different colored filters that fit perfectly uh, 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 in there. And now I used to get a lot of comments on it, but now that everybody has the LED lights, it can do everything. Yeah. And and they're all, I mean, they're. I just wonder if homeowner associations will crack down enough for having them on during their all year long different colors because they're pretty bright. You know, it's not mm-hmm. that they're subtle lights at all. They're bright. Mm-hmm. But I remember, mm-hmm. though, when you talk about how people are setting up now, uh, I'm old enough to remember when Dad would get a real tree on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And we would set it up Christmas Eve, and the tree would be up until probably January 2nd. Dad or, got or paid on 3rd. the 1st and 15th, and so the tree came on the 15th. Okay. It was always December 15th. Yeah, he would always... But that ended, then Then I remember it moved as I was getting into my young teenage years. Dad got, uh, you know, one of the silver trees. Yeah, yeah, we had one. Yeah. And so the silver... My mom silver, still has it, yeah. Yeah, we still have my... My sister has uh, my grandmother's, and she mm-hmm. puts it up in her house. And it's amazing, yeah. because when we were little, this tree was so big, and the tree, those silver trees weren't huge. Right. And they were pretty small, and you look at it now, and you're like, oh my gosh, it was so... It was it was so intimidating as a kid. I mean, just intimidating in a good way. Like, wow, look at that! Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted the silver tree. And then remember, then um, that's when the Charlie Brown Christmas came out, basically, and that was the form of commercialism and the and the the backlash against having those trees mm. because that was all part of the commercialism imagery. Yeah, that was coming in the uh, the sixties, and then. All the green fake trees came out, and mm-hmm. and so, uh, but yeah, I just I, you know yeah, I'm, liberals always had to complain, and you know, <laughs> you know that's been there since the beginning. Nobody paid attention to them, and you know, for me, it's it's always been about you know the fellowship. It's always been about visiting the people that I don't get to visit very often uh and spending you know that kind of time mm-hmm. you know with them and and i think right now there's there's likely a a greater drive for that kind of activity in our lives i mean you look at what's going on right now and it's disturbing for so many of us it's disturbing to see the radicals uh behave in such a way uh that is so over the top uh, speaking of which, Corrine Jean-Pierre in the White House clearly pivoting on or grappling or evolving, what did Obama used to call it? Grappling. Yeah. On the whole anti-Semitism thing, you know, and when it was brought up and, and, and she talked about it yesterday, it's 180 degrees from where they were not too long ago. They didn't want to address it, and now they clearly feel the need to address it. They've seen the polls. They've seen internals that show that the American people aren't going to stand for it. The radicals wow. may be doing one thing, but the the majority of American people uh, are not bigots. Well, Tlaib backtracked big time on MSNBC. Yes, right. I mean, to the to the point of the Republicans basically said, she's gaslighting now, right. basically when she said, We've always centered around coexistence, you know, for the whole from the river to the sea. And uh, and, and they asked her to explain it. Here it is. I have the audio here. 
Here it is on MSNBC from yesterday. I want you to explain, like, what you mean by it and why you used it or why you included it in the video. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm asking my colleagues, don't distort the words of my residents. Many people in this movement for human rights for Palestinians have always centered around coexistence. Uh, you hear them calling for that uh, and saying that, you know, no matter your faith, your ethnicity, your background, you should be able to live uh, without fear, without discrimination, without this kind of inequality that, you know, Netanyahu's extremist party and his leadership has been pushing. And so for many of my colleagues, they know uh, and deep in their hearts where... You notice she never said I. She right. said my colleagues right. and many people. She right. never said I. Mm -hmm. We. And she said, you know, it's always been centered around. She didn't say I've centered it around coexistence. Right. This isn't what I believe. She, right. She has. She's not talking. No. In first person. No. She's recognizing something and implying that's how she feels. We talked about it yesterday. It is time for those who have supported any radicals in office. There is a clear line now that has been drawn. And you either support them, which makes you a radical, or you don't. And it makes me wonder what kind of internals she saw at home. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you said that, I thought of, of, of her not even just Kareem Jean-Pierre, but Tlaib yesterday, because she really... You know, but it was important to notice when people said, okay, she's backtracking. It's like, I hope well, it is the case. Well, but she, but when she didn't do it in first person, she didn't say right. I. Right. When you when people talk about what you believe, you don't say my colleagues right. and many people. Mm -hmm. You say, I believe mm -hmm. this. Right. And she didn't say it because she's right. always been for the one state solution, which mm -hmm. is the eradication of israel right and when she talks about you know the radical israel and netanyahu remember that they don't want coexistence that's completely false right in fact it was pointed out how israel wanted to accelerate the number of palestinians that came in from gaza to work in israel right and right. they wanted to expand that right and so she's just gaslighting and lying big time because it's coming back to bite her big time. Well, and it was a pretty quick backlash for her to change that tone so quickly. Eight six six ninety red eye Brought to you by FPPF, Fuel Power Max. Managing time is key. Successful owner-operators know that simply running hard is not enough. If it were that easy, anyone could do the job and expect the profits to roll in. It generally pays to slow down. There is a trade-off in higher costs, not to mention the increased risk for driving fast. If driving slower takes time away from you, you could find some of the ways to get it back. Never take time off during the last two weeks of the quarter or the last week of the month when freight typically is abundant. Sometimes it works to your advantage to look for loads that take you through home rather than to home. The latter can interrupt your revenue stream and require additional time to get back up to full speed again. Brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, we'll give you uh, some of the most uh, talked about uh, parts of the debate last night. Mm. We'll get to uh, uh, that of reading the Wall Street Journal here. Top editorial. Are Republicans tired of all the losing? Huh. Well, that, I mean, that seemed to be a theme, too, that that came out basically that uh, 2018 they lost, 2020 they lost, 2022 they lost, 2023 they lost. And it's just like, <laughs> and the frustrating part of it is when you know all the major issues, the public sides with you, why are you losing? It's mind-boggling how, and you and I have been talking about this for a long, long time, so many years, how the GOP can just screw things up. I don't know how many massive doors. I mean, <laughs> gateways to the winning universe that were wide open <laughs> and they couldn't walk through it. And right now, I don't know if I'm more concerned than I've ever been, but I am greatly concerned about the GOP based on everything that happened in the House. I, you know, I don't have a problem with Mike Johnson. I didn't have massive problems with Kevin McCarthy. My concern has always been for the party and about the party and how they get it together. And I don't have the confidence that they can do that. The Senate, if it swings to the GOP, is only going to be a couple of seats. And how they didn't get the House in a much bigger way last year and what's going on this year tells me 24 is not much of a promise for the House either. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. All right, some of the most talked about moments from the debate last night. Here is Nikki Haley. You know, I've said it before. I think you have to be honest with the American people. This is a personal issue for every woman and every man. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband Michael was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, when you look Post-Roe, a wrong was made right. They took it out of the hands of unelected justices, and they put it in the hands of the people. And now we're seeing states vote. And what I'll tell you is, as much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice, and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when we're looking at this, there are some states that are going more on the pro-life side. I welcome that. There are some states that are going more on the pro-choice side. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. But when it comes to the federal law, which is what's being debated here, be honest. It's going to take 60 Senate votes, a majority of the House, and a president to sign it. So, no, we haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. We might have 45 pro-life senators. So, no Republican president can ban 
abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's find consensus. Let's agree on what, how we can ban late-term abortions. Let's make sure we encourage adoptions, good quality adoptions. Let's make sure we make contraception accessible. Let's make sure that none of these state laws put a woman in jail or give her the death penalty for getting an abortion. Let's focus on how to save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can and stop Thank the you, judgment. Ambassador. We don't need to divide America over this issue anymore. Thank you, Ambassador. Senator Stein. Now, interesting was the cheering because there's some things that you will have conservative Republicans upset about where she said, don't judge anybody who has an abortion. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is uh, the fact is it's a life or death issue of a human being. Mm -hmm. That's where the judgment comes in. It's easy to say I'm pro-life. Don't judge anybody who has an abortion, but that isn't going to play well with. Maybe it will, because like I said, I don't know where the Republican Party stands anymore on a lot of things when Trump came out and and said that it was completely ridiculous it was insane the, the you know the the abortion law in uh, in Florida and then came out and said I would I will come up with uh, a uh, you know a solution that both Democrats and Republicans both love you would think that he would have dropped a couple of points in the Republican party yeah that the Christian right would sit there and go, we don't like that message. Nothing. Right. So maybe that is the message that she's giving because people are going to judge. It's like The reason the issue is so volatile is because people judge on it. You can't stop them from judging on it because it's about life and death. And for the other side, it is about abortion till birth. Well, and we talked about it back with the Lindsey Graham 15-week proposal. It was like, well, wait a minute, you're not going to win that with evangelicals. You know, because you're saying it's okay until 15 weeks. And there's there's where any presidential candidate, you, don't, you can say, I'm pro-life. I believe life begins at conception. And here's where I would change. What Nikki Haley was saying, I would say in part the same thing, but I would just say the Supreme Court has decided if Congress takes it up, and I don't believe they will, then we can decide then I'm pro-life. The people know where I stand. But right now it's in the hands of the states. Like it or not, that's where we are. And the states can fight for what they believe in, and we'll see where the outcome is. But you don't – what you heard there is too much of the olive branch. I won't judge you if you won't judge me. But that's what she believes she needs to do to get independence. Because right. believe me, that was cal- – everything in that – everything in that was calculated. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Which is why it got the cheers that it got. Remember, that mm-hmm. was a – fully Republican audience who cheered like crazy for that answer. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when Trump talked about what what he would uh, what what he would do that was viewed in conservative media as a huge backing off on what people expected from him on the whole pro-life issue, his numbers didn't drop at all. None. But when you get away from the debate stage and get into the serious conversation about life and death, it's it is very different. And that's where 
you don't need to try and appease anyone. You can just point to reality. The reality is the Supreme Court sent it back to the states. On that, she's absolutely correct. And that's where we are right now. I suspect that lawmakers are not going to take it up on the federal level. I don't I don't think they'll do that because they don't want to they don't want to be the you know it will be the back and forth and tell me where the compromise is because the american people as a whole as a group we may decide okay uh, as a whole on the average well it's not on the average for any given individual it is a very clear line of where life begins And that's the difference. So it makes debating that topic almost impossible. I think it's going to be very difficult for even the states going forward. Again, I I just, and I did it again, I scanned real quick, but I went through just my social media. I didn't see, there may be in editorials tomorrow morning, I didn't see any criticism from the conservative right to Nikki Haley's answer. Mm -hmm. None. Well, that's, you know, the, the question is, how much of it matters coming, you know, from from Nikki Haley right now? How much does the debate itself matter? No, that's how not much the, are how much are people po- yeah. putting into it? Energy are they putting yeah. into it right that's, now? That's not the point. I, to me, that's not the point. The point is she's laying out what the path should be for Republicans not to lose in twenty twenty four over mm. the abortion issue. Mm. It's not, it doesn't make any difference. She's not going to. Yeah, but again, getting right. away from the debate stage, it becomes a much more serious issue. You know, we don't judge just simply by applause. And that's the thing, is that when you get down to the actual debate about life and death, this is why it's never going to be settled. Right, but because the, we right, all but it, have but it, our but own it is, definitive line. But it is a political issue in the arena of politics. Sure, and so that's what you do. You want to win, but, but it's a much more serious issue than um, any position that's just thrown out there on the debate stage. Because the fact of the matter is, the point actually isn't being debated. If if you're talking about the GOP field, then the point isn't being really debated as it would be, as we would, as an entire nation. You know, she can throw her position out there. That's fine. And it sounds logical. But when we get to the actual debate, it becomes a much more serious debate. Right. But my point is the Republicans there that are probably mostly pro-life like that answer because what they're saying is, how, what should the response be, even if we know we all judge, what do you say in order to win? Because if you don't win, you can't get anywhere. Hmm. And that's how I view that. I viewed her as, because that's how I viewed the response to it from so many conservative commentators, where they said, well, that should be the way that they ex- Republicans explain well, it. I mean, you know, and I don't so- know. Given given the makeup of the GOP right now, the audience makeup is, is in question for me because how many conservatives do we actually have? How many evangelicals, pro-lifers that say life begins at conception still exist within the party that are active or were just in well, that audience last night? And that's why I brought up what, what Trump did, though. 
when Trump mm-hmm. backed off what was viewed as by conservative writers as a back off, and there was nothing. Mm-hmm. There was no. He didn't suffer at all because and, and of I, that opinion. And again, I'd apply the same thing. Look at the GOP field right now. How many are strong conservatives? How many believe still that life begins at conception? To what extent does that exist still in the I GOP? I, ha- I haven't seen a poll, but I would say it probably rates pretty high in the GOP. The the GOP that is that is right now paying attention, I would say it's probably pretty high. Well, based on the fact that we have very few true conservatives on Capitol Hill, I question that. Well, we've talked. I mean, fis- I know we, the- we've talked fiscal conservative, which is a difference between fiscal conservative and social conservative. Well, I, I just don't know where where they are right now. I don't know where the evangelicals are. I don't know where those that have that strong position are. We'll find out. Yeah. Well, if they were stronger, I think we would see a different makeup on Capitol Hill. I think we would have seen a different uh, turnout last year. Well, the Speaker of the House is absolutely pro-life. Yeah, and we found him after two weeks. Why didn't we find him in January? Well, it's not we, it's they. But That's what I mean. It's, Those it's, are representatives of the people. And that's, yeah, that's I'm my not, whole I'm point. Not, I'm not sure where you're going. I don't, I don't understand. They're, they're, I, I don't. The, the makeup of the GOP right now is very clear. There are very few conservatives. Mike, I, have, I have not seen. Mike Johnson wasn't the first choice. You, you Far and I, from the first you, choice. You and I have talked about the. And, and again, I'm not sure. I just haven't seen what it seems like you're going in the direction that the Republican Party is no longer pro-life. No, that's not it's what I said. The, uh, not what I said at all. Not my position at all. Then what is your position? It's it's that how much is the that line of life begins at conception pro-life? I don't know what it was that before. Zero. Well, I don't know. What pro, well, zero that's, weeks that's is what, acceptable. Well, that's what pro-life is, though. Pro-life is... That it begins. You're not pro-life. By my definition, yes. If it if it doesn't if it doesn't start at conception, you're not considered pro-life to begin with. Right. Right. So I haven't seen a poll on that in 20 years. People just use pro-life and assume that's what it means. Mm -hmm. So on and my point is uh, on the fiscal things. We have seen the reality. You and I have felt the reality in talk radio. We have seen where the Republican Party has gone on fiscal conservatism, and we can actually quantify that. I can't do that on pro-life. I may be able that's, to by, that's by, the, by that's the end of this I'm year. Questioning it. But that's, I, yeah, okay. you know, I can't quantify that either by the applause in the audience or uh, there aren't any numbers to back it up. But can you be pro-life and say, but this is how we need to explain it to win? We can't get anywhere if we don't win. And so, which is we, why I explained it differently than than she did, because I don't think that has to be. Look, I won't criticize you; you won't criticize me. Approach well it, to get independence that may be pro-choice or fifteen weeks, which is the majority of America. Remember, we're in a time now where you don't judge. Mm-hmm. You don't judge, and is and so is unless you're on the left. That's why yes. Well, that's why yes. That specific language. That did she put that in on purpose because that was the key of being I am tolerant of your particular views, even if she's not, if she had the opportunity to vote against it. That's my point. Is that just 
the political spin of how you do it to win? Or does she really mean it? Because you and I find it very tough. If you're pro-life, because if you're truly pro-life, then life begins at conception. If you don't do it afterward, if, if you say it's okay afterwards, that's murder. Well, who doesn't judge on murder? And for the other side, it's a woman's body right up to birth. And they're judging it because, and so both mm-hmm. sides, that was my point, both sides absolutely judge. That's my whole point. There is no way to get through this topic without absolute judgment from both sides. Except except on the wobbly middle, the independents. Not a compromise I'm willing to make. Uh, again, I, I, you're not... Not talking about you compromising. It's about getting. I don't think, it's about, G, I don't think it's, anyone in the it's, GOP it's a, should, it's should about, be making it's that about compromise. Getting, it's about getting independents to vote for you. And I don't think anybody should have to make that compromise. And that's not one of the compromises I want to see the GOP make. We'll be interesting to see if that opinion is out there hmm. to, today from con, from the conservatives. Because that was huge. That was probably the biggest moment. You know, Ramaswamy's thing will play that, you know, going uh, going uh, uh, off on uh, NBC and all that. Right. That that wasn't the substance of an actual issue. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up uh, following the top of uh, the hour, a couple more audio cuts from the uh, debate uh, from last night. Look at this the ticking time bomb of commercial real estate. Occup- occupancy rates fall. Delinquencies rise. Mm. Not surprised by that nope. at all. Nope. And subpoenas for Hunter Biden, James Biden, and more. Mm. Coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Welcome and good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. All right, back to the debate last night. Uh, This also went pretty viral. Uh, Ramaswamy, in his opening statement, and... uh, Probably most Republicans agree with this. Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you, uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. 
We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time. Hang on one second. I just I I lost it. Let me, you let me, didn't let, stop it, by the way. To no, be clear, I, I didn't. That, 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 I didn't stop it. No, let's let's go back here. Here we stage go. tonight. You want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign. I will turn over my yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. Do you think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, do you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? <laughs> they wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with a Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn to That's Governor, Governor Christie. <laughs> Did he mean his time is up for that moment or altogether? <laughs> <laughs> the entire campaign. Listen, um... Some solid points, uh, but the Republican Party is not losing because of Ronna McDaniel. Well, it's I not. Don't, I, no, I, no, no, I, I want in her fact, fired. I, I want her fired. I, in fact, I don't think she's done a good job, but that's not why they're losing. Ronna McDaniel is an indication, is one of the indicators as to what's wrong with the party. Yes, I will agree with that. It's not her causing all these things. This is where the party is. It, it is a mess. There are a couple of things. The GOP has to, those that hold office right now, are going to have to, you know, try and keep their positions. Uh, the Senate has to swing, and then you have to win the White House. But there has to be a greater consensus within the party. Building that consensus is left up to the leadership. And right now, Donald Trump, Looks like he will be the nominee, which means he's the leader of the party as that officially takes place after the convention of next year or at the convention next summer. Well, you have to build allies within the party. And you still have a significant number of his base that says, and and it's people, you know, that, that are much like Matt Gates that feel the way Matt Gates does, and that is, look, these are the establishment people. We need all of these people out. Well, if your goal is, you know, again, if the swamp has become the, we could have a new campaign slogan, make the swamp the GOP establishment again, um, because it became deep state. But if it, again, is 
establishment Republicans and you don't care about building allies and getting things done. It's just about Trump getting into the White House. Then I don't know what your ultimate goals are. You and I have had concerns with rhinos for a long, long time. Um, That is something that has been, you know, a very, very huge concern uh, for many, many years. But if the party is going to win on the issues, if we're going to get back to if if the if the if Trump is to win and he's going to be effective in getting things done for the economy, it's going to have to go beyond executive orders. Deregulation, he can do with a pen, but there are so many other things that need to be done permanently to set a new course in terms of our policy, either both fiscal policy and regulatory policy that needs to be done on Capitol Hill. And you do have to build a consensus to do that. You're going to have to have the allies and the party itself is going to have to get together. That's not all on Trump. It is a there's a it's a. A huge part of it is on his shoulders. But the GOP field right now, the GOP uh, as a party right now, has to be able to pull it together and say, look, we can work out our differences. I don't have a problem with the differences. But the effort has to be, in my opinion, if you're going to do that, you know, it's not throw all the bums out. You're going to have to convince the bums to come to the right again, you know, make make the GOP conservative again. And 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 that, I think, has to be the greater effort, because I think that's where the American people are. If you look at the conservative values, there are certain keywords politically they're not going to be able to get get away with, you know, with with independence, um, because it's, you know, branded as, you know, far right wing, you know, the right wing nut jobs or whatever they want to call it. But certainly on the issues, if you point out, these are the things we want to get done. We want an expanding economy. We want less regulation. We want greater spending power for all the families. We want a stronger national defense. We want to secure the borders. These are the things that the party, those everyone in the party agrees on. Uh, When we talked about the, the change in speaker and that entire mess, and again, like you, I like Mike. I like Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. I didn't think McCarthy. Not that I agreed with McCarthy on everything. We're talking about his role as speaker and what your goal is as a role of spe- uh, your role as a speaker, which is not to put out rhetoric to convince the converted, because the converted are already there. Mm. You're about getting the independence, and we looked at it. We said, okay. What's going to be the difference between having Mike Johnson in there, you know, over the next year? Because who knows how long he'll be in there. Uh, what was actually accomplished? Right. Are we going to shut down the government now as Matt Gates wanted to do? No. In all likelihood, no. It could still happen. But it's not a goal of Johnson or the Republicans now to shut down the government. You don't hear that intensity anymore. We're just, how far are we? We're just a, we're what, a week? They've, they've got, yeah. they've got, they've yeah. got budget deals to make yeah. in a week and nobody's talking about it. Right. Nobody. Right. Yeah. Is, 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 is talking about it. So as we said, what will actually change because the makeup of the party is still the same. 
And at the end, you had, I think, the majority of Republicans that were stating this has become a personality battle. Yeah. This is about yeah. personalities. Yeah. And that's my concern. You know, when you look, you, you mentioned Trump. Can Trump unify the Republicans? And that is Congress. Can he unify? Does he have any interest in unifying? Or right. you just said it. They want him to win. He wins. Then what? Then what? Then what? Is it more? Is it just the win? Or is it actually accomplishing something after the the win? When you look at everybody who served in the Trump White House. Yeah. All the people that helped make his policy. I forgot who somebody pointed this out a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Every single one he has alienated. Mm-hmm. Right. On his foreign policy success. And they went through Pompeo. Mattis, they went through all the different people that were working with him that is viewed as a highlight of the Trump administration, completely alienated. Right. Name calls on a consistent basis. Right. The vast majority, you would be safe to say that 95% of the people that worked for Trump that helped him get his goals are now completely against him. Right. And he, they're and the he's ones, against them. And he's against them. Yes, it's 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 a it's a two way street. Well, he's he's actually doing the name calling. Mm-hmm. And so you ask the, yourself the question: Okay, he gets into office. Fine. Then what? Well, you know what do you the, do? And does he have the ability to unify the party? He has not right. shown ever, not even in office, that he had the ability to do that or play the bully pulpit. And I bring that up the bully pulpit because. When Matt Gates was saying we need somebody who's tough, like Trump, you know, somebody who's willing to shut down the government, somebody who's willing to fight and fight and fight, Trump never was willing to fight over the budget, ever. Right. He, he never. Didn't, he didn't use his veto. Pen. He never threatened to close down the government, he, as Gates was he, trying to do. He never. knew that would fall on him. Right. He knew he would get the blame. for. And I'm not saying he was wrong for doing it. I'm just simply saying what what Gates and the other eight were saying was not true. Right. They were they were asking something from McCarthy that they never asked from Trump. And 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 that's the question, because, look, in 2020, we were asking the question. All right. All of a sudden, you know, uh, Biden wins and and uh, and Trump is no longer president. Then for rank and file Democrats, then what? What do you think Biden is going to do? Well, we saw that. We've seen it. Yeah. And and they as a party saw it to the extent that. We weren't two years in, and his own party said, no, no more. No more Joe Biden. And they're still saying that. So with the GOP, there has to be a vision beyond the win. The real win isn't election night. The real win is turning this heaping, steaming pile that's on fire on this massive ship that has a massive gaping hole in the side around and getting it back to where it needs to be. We need our economy strong. We need our borders secure. Those are the things that have to get done. The people come and go. The nation will either falter or succeed, and that's on us. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> we uh, we do appreciate you uh, being here this morning <laughs> on a Thursday. All right, so here we go. Mm. Hunter Biden, James Biden, Rob Walker, who worked with Hunter Biden, all subpoenaed by James Comer. Yeah, Hunter Biden's lawyers saying to Comer and the GOP, back off. <laughs> Their oversight. Sorry, you don't have any power over them. Doesn't work that way. I saw that. Funny thing is, I saw that yesterday, and then five minutes later, I saw they were subpoenaed. Yeah, right. No, I mean we've seen this as they knew it was coming. Uh, they know that the GOP is getting very close to the fire. We saw that with a piece that Hunter himself wrote about himself in USA Today. And, you know, that's the evolution of their defense here. You know, it's down to, okay, look, look, it's it's me, okay? I was on crack. And that's not going to work. Uh, we're so far into this now with the, uh, with now this flow of money that's being demonstrated that you can't get away from it. There's, there's. There's no way. I really think that there is something to the, you know, the David Axelrods and, and others that are saying, well, he's too old to run. I think if you ask them and they were being truthful, it would be, yeah, this isn't going to end well. Because even if they don't get to the point of criminal wrongdoing, they're going to demonstrate that, in fact, much of the American, many of the American people believe already that there was a clear line that was that was crossed by the Bidens, and that's being demonstrated more and more every day by the time we get to a year from now. <laughs> and I think that's why many Democrats, prominent Democrats, don't want them to run. It's only going to look bad. And as I've been saying, it's going to fall on other Democrats who knew it was going on at the time, and didn't say anything about it. And you've seen the many stories out there that that show Democrats were concerned about it. The Obama in the Obama years, they were concerned about it. And you have to look at the very fact that in 2016, Joe Biden wasn't the guy. Why didn't the party want him to run? Hunter Biden's attorney said the president's son is eager to have the opportunity to testify in a public forum. After these subpoenas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Comer subpoenaed the president's son, the president's brother, and Walker on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, business associate Rob Walker. He also requested transcribed interviews from James Biden's wife, Sarah Biden, President Biden's daughter-in-law, Haley Biden, the widow of President Biden's son, Beau, who later was romantically involved with Hunter, Haley Biden's older sister, Elizabeth, and Hunter Biden's uh, wife, Melissa. Mm. Uh the committee also requested a transcribed interview with Hunter Biden's former business associate, Tony Bobulinski. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, they Bobulinski should testify again. I would like He's, to see him up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, yeah. now you want the transcribed interview, um, but wouldn't you have that now? You interviewed Bobulinski. Mm. Yeah. I don't understand that. The committee mm. requested the transcribed interview that you already have. 
I want to see Bobby Linsky testify. Yeah, I would love to see him up there. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Biden's attorney said this is yet a pol- another political stunt aimed at distracting the glaring failure of Representative Comer and his MAGA allies to prove a single one of their wild and now discredited conspiracies about the uh, Biden family. Well, I don't know. I think they've been asking questions. Hmm. Look, the, it doesn't matter what either side. It does matter what, what people actually say. But you see the polling on it. Yeah. The American public knows what's going on. And it's this simple. Why, why did, you know, what's going on? You're asking yourself, what's going on here with the president's family? Why is the president's family enriching themselves while President Biden was vice president and afterwards? Right. Why were all these accounts set up? And is no, the president nobody, currently compromised? Right. No. Know? Right. Nobody is going. There isn't any Democrat going willing to go point by point by point in a debate no. and say there's nothing here. No. They will say it's all a conspiracy theory. Yeah. But never get into the minutia of what the questions Republicans are asking. And I will say this: Comer is always saying, well, most of the time, Comer is saying we're just investigating this. Right. Mike Johnson said it yesterday. He goes, we're investigating this. We want to know right. what we want to know what happened. Right. If if there's a rational explanation, please give it to us. Right. Let us know why all these, you know, bank accounts were set up, well, why these like fake corporations we said, were set up. Joe Biden has has an opportunity if this was indeed if these were loans to his brother, he could demonstrate that and and take a lot of wind out of the sails of the GOP. This is what I found interesting from the attorney Nevertheless, Hunter is eager to have the opportunity in a public forum and at the right time Mm -hmm. to discuss the matters with the committee. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? (laughs) At the right time. Right. Mm -hmm. What is he doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is he busy? (laughs) (laughs) He's got some time off. Giving you 70% each night. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and good morning. So it'd be interesting to see what happens and when they subpoena them, if they they talk uh, open in public to the committee, hmm. whether it's behind closed doors. I'm not sure what the plan is from Comer uh, right now. But right now, that has been a constant. You know, you look at... You look at things here when you look at 2024 and you say, okay, there's great suspicion from the public that he did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's around 70%. Right. So I don't think they're going to be able to change that because uh, the one thing that was, that I saw, I think it was last week, it was like, well, if they don't, if they don't impeach him, well, then it's all for naught. Not really. Uh, I don't believe that's the goal of the Republicans, or it wasn't the goal at least a month ago to actually try to impeach him and not succeed at doing it. Look, I, th- yeah, I, I think I think it's just to bring up, have the process of bringing it up, and yeah, they've st- yeah. they've stated this. Yeah, the Republicans have, but I saw that the media's 
their their benchmark is if you don't impeach him, the impeachment inquiry is all bogus. Right. That's not true. That's not true at all. And and, you know, I for (laughs) if you look at it. For the process itself. This is the only process that gives them authority to move forward in this way. Now, if during this process they're able to clearly demonstrate, then impeachment is going to be a given. You're going to have a number of Democrats that will look at it and go, okay, we don't really have a choice. But I don't know if it reaches that point. I'm just saying if it does, then impeachment will be a given not for every Democrat, but you'll have a number of Democrats that will look at it. If that if, if that evidence is overwhelming, I don't know how you reject it. Well, it's already horrible to begin with because mm. everyone knows that Biden's been lying all along. The goalposts have been moved yeah. consistently over the last year as Republicans have, you know, over this year as Republicans have investigated it. From the very beginning, lie that I've never discussed business with my son. You know, I have no idea, you know, what he's involved in. Mm-hmm. You can't, you couldn't sell that to the American people back then. But still, right now, this is relatively going to remain a constant throughout the election, no matter, mm-hmm. because if they, uh, you know, bring the witnesses in and just repeat everything so far, there's 70% negatives on the president on it. You don't yeah. need, to get actually impeach. And if you did get the evidence, I don't believe it would ever come to impeachment because I believe at that point there'd be so much Democratic uh, 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 effort to have him resign. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go. You don't have to go through it. And but they already know that's a constant. Now, that's 70 percent that believe the president did something immoral, unethical or illegal. Yeah. In right. all of this. And I think. It's even greater numbers for people that believe that the president has been involved in an illegal cover-up of it. Right. So the public actually knows the difference between what allegations are being made. And as we have stated before, none of the allegations being made come from Republicans making an allegation and then cherry-picking the evidence. Right. Now, they've they've been accused of that without any evidence being brought up by the Biden family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything that the Republicans have, everything came from sources outside the Republican Party, including some of the most damning evidence that comes from Hunter Biden himself yep. from the laptop. Mm-hmm. And the others come from the the other information comes from the former business partners of Hunter Biden. Yeah. And the rest comes from the actual bank records, checks written, SARS reports from banks that are not Republican. Right. These are simply banks that put together suspicious activity reports and send them to the Treasury Department. So the evidence comes from the bank through the Biden Treasury Department. Right. And so that's the problem that they have. But I think that I think everything remains a constant in general all the way up to next year's election mm. the only thing that does not is increasing prices and the border getting worse because here's the thing now and you brought this up mm. not 
when Democrats say that the president may not be able to win in 2024 and they repeat it and they state that he must get out of office, that will encourage hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of more migrants to cross the border Yep, before January of 2025 because the fear of Republicans taking over. So the yeah, situation at yeah. the border is only going to get worse. Mayorkas was before the Senate yesterday, mm. still wouldn't answer any questions. Yep. Next and, summer is going to be uh it's going to be horrible. It's we're going to see record numbers once again next summer because of what you just pointed out that we've talked about before. There's going to be this rush on the border knowing your time is limited because that's really going to be the push. Those that want to come here know that if they can get here now through the bogus system that's been set up uh, with the Biden administration, claim amnesty, you know, or, or claim asylum, rather, that amnesty is the next step for those that have asylum. Well, the courts are overrun. We can't process everybody. There's so many. They all qualified. And they're here. Technically, they're here legally. Well, the next step is to uh, extend that out through amnesty. And and that that's ultimately the plan. But whether that happens or not isn't really even most important. It's whether you can get across the border while Biden is still in office or not. So next summer is going to be a massive, massive, massive wave. And it's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of the hour, you'll want to hear this: a politician who says something that is incorrect. What? You'll want to hear this. What? Yes. And you especially, Eric, will relate to this. All right. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690 Red Eye, he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Look, we're sticklers here for accuracy at times, so people at times might think that we're nitpicking, but sometimes a member of Congress will say something that is so wrong, therefore so outrageous, that we must bring it to your attention. That's right. And this is Matt Gates this week during a House Judiciary Committee hearing. Shame, shame. Free speech on college campuses. I watched part of it. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Oh, I can't think. What well, the representative, the the uh, the Guam guy? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Johnson. 
Yeah, Johnson. Uh, said the other Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, not yeah, that one. Right. The other one. Yeah. Uh, he he actually there the it's amazing Democrats continue to say he said and and they're talking about you know anti-semitism and hate mm. and it's not made easier by Trump saying that uh, uh there are good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. You see that oh the political cartoon out yesterday mm. shows Obama there are good people on both sides. He's holding a Hamas flag and an Israel flag. Yeah. No, I, you and I touched on that the other day yeah. and said, how is it any different than how they framed the, the, lot, the, the which wasn't the quote from, from then President Trump? They, it was, but they were actually saying it yeah. about Hamas. Yes. Yes. And Israel. And that was the point about Obama. Obama yeah. was actually saying there's good it's because if it's everybody's fault, there means there's good people on both sides. Right. I'd love he Obama was just blasted. Oh my we hit him. Gosh. We didn't spend a lot of time on it. We hit him hard, but I mean, oh, some conservative publications just went, you know, it's always the person who says, Well, um uh there's uh there's people responsible on both sides. He goes, mm-hmm. let, he goes, when somebody says that, look to see how responsible they were for creating the situation. Yeah. I'm like, oh exactly. my God, great. But let's get back to, uh, to Matt Gates here. All right. Yeah. Here Very we go. Important. Matt Gates. Now, please yeah. don't be shocked by this. Now, no. this is especially of concern to Eric. That is. All right. Very concerning. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. I want Israel to win and Hamas to lose, but this is not an armed services committee hearing about the military. It's a judiciary hearing about speech. And in that vein, I am reminded of the great words of the philosopher Austin Powers, who said, there's only two things I can't stand. People who are intolerant of other people and the Dutch. No, no, not Austin. Nigel is Nigel. His, his fa- father, and and the correct quote was, um, "There are only two things I can't stand in this world: people who are intolerant of other people's cultures, and the Dutch, and the Dutch." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From Goldmember, yeah, we have to get this right. Conservatives have to get it right. Yes. We cannot allow these types of mistakes. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. And the way that Austin looks at him when he says, and the Dutch, is like, <laughs> whoa, what? <laughs> you know, I was... Uh, the the other uh, day was on one of my streaming channels. I just went by it a little bit. I've seen it a couple times. I think it's a great movie. You ever see Secondhand Lions? Yes, it's one of my favorites. And, isn't that a great movie I with Michael Caine, love... Robert Duvall? Oh my gosh! Uh, what's his the... name? Haley Joe Joel Osment. Yeah, Os- Haley yeah. Joel Osment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in that movie, I see old people. And... <laughs> <laughs> isn't that? Just oh the, man! The one of the greatest unknown movies. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't catch fire until, you know, that fight scene. Oh man! Went viral. Oh. And that one clip went viral, and then apparently rentals took off. 
from there. And it kind of, I, I don't know if it's a cult following, but it, it certainly gained more of a following. One of the most underrated movies ever. So great. It Robert is. Duvall. Yeah. Michael Caine. Just great. That fight scene. Just the best. Oh, my gosh. It, it just... <laughs> I, I just love it that you could. How do you make? Because Robert Duvall doing fight scenes, I love like uh, the end of uh, the first Jack Reacher movie. That's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just you, when you get Robert Duvall in it, especially the later years, Robert Duvall, and I just love watching it uh, when he's cast in that. How do you make it better? You add Michael Caine. I mean, yeah, it was just great. I loved, and, and if you haven't that seen movie. it, I'm not going to tell you what it's about because right. if you I'm let's put it this way. You would have to if I was an actor and I read that screenplay, I'd go, this is ridiculous. Yeah. On paper, it might it probably look very different. Yeah. yeah. I would go, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. The actors pull that movie off. Yeah. Completely. Because right. the story itself. And then <laughs> it goes, oh, I see that. Remember the. uh the uh, the Middle Eastern guy whose father was the sheik. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, I see that you spent my father's money well. Mm-hmm. And there's the huge, almost like a cruise ship in the pond. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he goes, well, there was this salesman who came by. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is Great a great movie. Yeah, when you, I just thought about it when because I had seen it the other day. It came up on one of my streaming channels, and I'm like, what a great movie. What a great movie that is. Michael Caine announcing recently he's doing his last movie. He said, you know, it's really? How time old to retire. Yeah, well, he, and he, I, I don't know, I, 80s, it was late 80s, I want to say 86, 88. Um, but he was basically saying, look, I don't, you know, it should be, you should go out while you, well, while you still love it and you're still, you know, decent at it and. Yeah. Oh, you know something? Hmm. I'm thinking of Reacher, the this the series. When hmm. you said Robert Duvall, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, no, no. The oh, movie. the first one. The, the first one movie, with yeah. Tom. Oh, then. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. He is just. Oh, he's great. As the movie. gun range owner. Yes. Oh, yes. man. He yep. is great in that movie. Yep. Oh, I love that. Love that. And, and he, uh, here's the thing. When I went to watch, because uh, it's Amazon does Reacher, right? Yeah. This yeah. is the, the and series. And the new one, uh, December 15th. Coming out December 15th, yeah. When I saw it, you know, when I had, when I had uh, seen that Amazon was coming out with a new Reacher, I was like, oh, hmm. there's no way. Because I thought Cruz was great in that. Mm-hmm. I really And I liked both of them. Mm-hmm. I liked the, you know, the, the, the first two. Mm-hmm. I said, there's no way. There's no way you can. What a great job they did on that. Well, and there I, was great character I, development. I watched all eight episodes, eight hours. Yeah. In a, I was doing something else on a Saturday. Sat down to watch. It was like noon, eight o'clock. I'm done. Yeah. I watched every single one. I didn't get anything accomplished that day. They great character development. In well, that. and there were a couple of things there. Uh, I I think they didn't. I, I don't know. For me, they didn't catch me with the trailers. Of the first season, but now I've that I've watched the first season, the trailer that came out the other day for season two, I'm totally on board. I'm, I'm I was going to be on board anyway, but I think they did a much better job. 
Um, but one of the things was that the pushback against Tom Cruise was that Jack Reacher was in the books. He's a giant of a guy. Yeah, and he's a he's a massive guy. And Alan Richin does pull. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, is yeah. he is a giant of a guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. In there, and and Willa Fitzgerald, who played Roscoe, the 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 uh, woman police officer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was great. But Malcolm Goodwin, who played like the the detective, yeah, he was just yeah. he. And just, that twist at the end of the season was, yeah, yeah. It was it, it was yeah. it, it, it was, was very. I think it was very well done. And and I like seeing something that goes along with the uh, with the books, uh, like uh, Bosch, which was a, also a series. It's still right now on, is it Freebie or something? Uh, but it was on Amazon for a while. But it was, you know, it it basically each season is one of the books. You know, each episode is one of the chapters in the books. And so you kind of follow it that way. And there's nothing that's too complicated. You know, it's about, you know, in in the case of Bosch, it's a great detective show. You know, in the case of Jack Reacher, you know, the storyline of this military investigative unit, you know, that Reacher was a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I like that I thought Tom Cruise brought is is you know that that kind of cerebral you know thing of investigators they treated it they were i in my opinion it came off as you know that guy is a seasoned investigator yeah and gets straight to the point and you know doesn't bother with with all the fringe things and and everything else he wants to get he wants to do the job and and get it you know get it right now you know it's been coming up for me because i haven't seen equalizer three And all of a sudden, all these clips come up, and yeah, and yeah, and, and all There's the a lot of them. And, and all these interviews with Denzel Washington and and the director. I can't think of his name, Anton. I can't think of his name, the, mm. the producer. Mm. But you know about it, and they're talking about. It, then they play scenes of it. I've probably seen, I don't know, fifteen different scenes on clips on YouTube. I'm like, I gotta see the movie. I've got to rent My the movie. My wife and I, I bought it because I own the other two, and so I kind of do that with the collection so i bought it uh my wife and i watched it it's good very good is that the last one i don't know you know they say it is but look i'll watch pretty much anything with denzel you know if he's in it yeah i'll watch it so i mean it's i'm just gonna it's i could watch him in that character just sitting and reading silently at the table in the cafe reading like, all right, I'm in. Or, or because remember the first one, it showed him sitting in the diner or just cleaning dishes, right? You know, stra- yeah. straightening up right. his house, right? And you're completely mesmerized, right? I don't know how you're mesmerized by such simple things because you know something more is going to happen, but it's really the backstory. You're getting just a little bit of the backstory, and you really you're getting more as you get to Equalizer three. But it's, in Equalizer one, it was still all a mystery. It's the details. Those small details go to build the discipline in the character. Yeah, it does, yeah. You know, and and who was it the the you know military leader that said, "Look, you start your day by making your bed." You know, and mm-hmm. you know, which is to say, "Look, you do these things and you 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 accomplish these tasks, and the small things do matter." And you know, that to me is also part of law enforcement. It goes back to the broken windows theory, 
but the small things matter. You got to investigate the small things because they quite often lead you to the bigger things. And, and that character development was, that was a big part of it. That small detail, his discipline down to the watch. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, you know, (laughs) to the point where when he does it, even in, because he, I, I saw the clips where he's doing it again. I start laughing. Yeah. All yeah. right, you're clicking on, oh, you're dead in nine seconds here. It, 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 <laughs> when he looks at his watch, I'm going, oh, man, so many people are going to die. So many people are going to die. They're going to die quickly. But it's justified. It's justified. <laughs> They're bad guys, which is which also gets back to the equalizer of, you know, the whole uh, idea of right and wrong, you know, and and justice and what, you know, what is justice and you know, in the Hollywood versions, we can look at it and say, all right, you know what? Uh, this is a, a, a person who is going to act as an avenger for the people in his neighborhood, uh, for those who can't defend themselves, uh, for those that are real victims of crime. And it plays out nicely. I enjoyed it when it was a TV series on CBS yeah, years ago. Yeah, uh, Edward uh, Edward uh, Woodward. Yeah. Right. As Robert McCall. And that was the mm-hmm. thing. I, when they said Equalizer was coming out, I remember the series. Yeah. I remember right. watching the series. Was it in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they can't do it. Yeah. I was, like, I was wrong oh, with that. Man. Completely. No. I was wrong on Reacher. I was wrong on Equalizer. I'm right. like, all right, these are really talented people to really bring you into their world. Really because, of the, you know, and you think about it when you talk about Equalizer, the first one where he's doing all the boring stuff and you're mesmerized by it. That is part, as you said, the background of the character building of it. Yeah, you've got and, to you you've got to build that discipline and, to why he is uh as as uh you know uh, a quick and concise as he is and why also why he pay why he pays attention uh to detail. And for me, I don't know why maybe it's I'm older, maybe I'm just noticing it, maybe I always have enjoyed it but didn't recognize it. To me, great character development can make or break a movie. You, if you if you don't spend the time on that, if you don't, especially someone who's acting in such an extreme way, then it becomes gratuitous very quickly. All right, maybe that's it. All you right, know? that's what it is. I and don't, I, and the, the yeah. same with Jack okay. Reacher, you could say, and I think that's what in the in the those two movies, Tom Cruise was able to pull off. You know, not just the the writing is imperative, but you've got. To have somebody pull it off convincingly, it's like, you know, in the hotel scene, where's your shirt? You need a shirt. I have a shirt. It's hanging up, drying. He's washing his clothes. You know, he rides a bus everywhere. I mean, you know, in developing that character, you've got to know why he's doing what he's doing. Otherwise, it's gratuitous. 86690-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. At a roadside inspection, inspectors may ask to see supporting documents. A supporting document is a document generated or received by a motor carrier in the normal course of business that can be used by law enforcement to verify a driver's logs. These documents can include bills of lading, itineraries, schedules, or equivalent documents that indicate the origin and destination of each trip. They can also include dispatch or trip records, expense receipts related to on-duty slash not driving periods, including receipts for meals, lodging, and fuel, electronic mobile communication transmitted through a fleet management system, 
and payroll records, settlement sheets, or equivalent documents that indicate payment to a driver. Drivers using paper logs must also keep toll receipts. Supporting documents must contain the driver's name, carrier assigned identification number or vehicle unit number that can be linked to the driver, the date, the name of the nearest city, town, or village, and the time. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Chicago residents getting uh, sick over being a sanctuary city and yeah. the money that's being spent. And like we have said before, what you hear is, why aren't you spending the money on us? We've heard that before. Remember when there were caravans? This goes back years. And there were caravans heading to the border, and you had people in major metro areas saying, whoa, 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 you're spending all this money on people that, in fact, back then they were saying they weren't. This was during the Obama years, and they were. They said they many of those people were going to be deported, but you're going to spend a lot of money on them in the meantime, and you're not spending money in our neighborhoods. And Chicago's the site of the Democratic National Convention next summer, when I suspect and predict that you'll see an increase in people coming across the border. So it's only going to get worse in cities like Chicago, New York, and other areas that are feeling the pain that border towns have been feeling for a long, long time. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. I wonder if the names are going to come out for this story here. Authorities arrested three individuals accused of organizing a high end brothel network that had been in operation since 2020 and whose customers included electric officials electric elected officials military officers a new indictment charges federal prosecutors announced that three were arrested wednesday morning after allegedly operating an interstate prostitution network including multiple brothels in cambridge and watertown massachusetts as well as Fairfax and Tyson's Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. 
The defendants advertised the prostitution network on two websites, according to prosecutors, offered appointments with women in either Boston or Eastern Virginia, and listed each woman's height, weight, and bus size with nude and semi-nude photographs. Any potential client was required to complete a form on the website with their names, email address. What kind of idiots would do that? Mother's maiden name. (laughs) Exact location at the moment. Social security number. Make sure your phone GPS is on. Credit card numbers. (laughs) Morons. And also, ew. Yeah, I know. Ew. Any potential client was required to complete a form on the websites with their names, email addresses, phone number, and employer (laughs) in a so-called verification (laughs) process before proceeding. What's your work number? Can we call your employer for a reference? I like to say I'm retired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't have an employer at the moment. I do have a boss, though. She's kind of, you know, in charge. After verification and conversation with the with the brothel via phone. What do you mean verification? What did they call your employer? No, that's why else would you have to give that? Well, we're going to need an employer reference. Okay. Seriously. I mean, I mean, hello is hello is uh, this is is this the uh, Capital Human Resources? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Do, by the way, do you have a senator who works for you? Yeah, I saw a. Uh, well, what's his income? Right. Exactly. I saw a clip come up. From the movie Pretty Woman the other day, and I still couldn't. Like, she's a hooker. Yeah, I did you. I never got that I, movie either. She's I never a got, hooker. I, I, I never got that. Never got it. She's a hooker. Yeah. I and I and I had, but it was romantic. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> I mean, that was considered at the time. A romance movie, <laughs> and I'm like, is it? Is anybody else seeing this? And I didn't buy it. It's a Rich, hooker. I, She's I a didn't hooker. Buy Richard Gere needed to get a hooker, right? Apparently, one of the wealthiest guys on the planet, and just happens to look just like the actor Richard Gere, and he's got to pay. Ew. Uh, Ew. The- <laughs> Serious. Okay, I have to read this again to make right. sure I have it right. Any potential client was required to complete a form on the websites with their names, email, phone number, and employer in the so-called verification process before proceeding. After verification and a conversation with the brothel via phone, prosecutors say... Uh, that the sex buyers agreed to meet at various places described as target locations or high-end apartments. Huh. All right. Wow. Oh, and they had the apartments. They had one of the, the Massachusetts apartments where the customers were instructed to go. One of the 
20 people interviewed by federal agents provided an example of a menu text message. I don't know if we could get into that menu there. Probably not. <laughs> Sent by a number associated with one of the alleged brothel websites. Uh, services offered by the brothel ranged in price mm-hmm. from $350 to upwards of $600 per hour, according to officials. Yeah. Prosecutors say that the high-end brothel network serviced customers, I'm just reading this, Serviced customers working in the following professions, politicians, pharmaceutical executives. Where was Ramaswamy? Uh, doctors. Okay, that was unfair. That was uncalled. That's, His name did not come up. It did not. Uh, doctors, military officers, government contractors that possess security clearances, professors, lawyers. So far, I don't see radio talk show hosts on there. Uh, professors, um, business executives, technology company executives, scientists, accountants, accountants, excuse me, retail employees, and students. The customers were not named since an investigation into their actions is ongoing. Wow. One of the websites used the, uh, in the operation purports to uh, advertise nude models for professional photography at upscale studios. But prosecutors mm. believe it was a front for prostitution. No. That's shocking. I just love the verification process because you know what you're doing. Yeah. And, and in this day and age where you don't want to give any information, it's like, if if that's what I was going to do, mm-hmm. if that was my choice for my entertainment dollar, <laughs> your your high end entertainment dollar. Uh, By the way, it's never a low end brothel, is it? Yeah, we're just low end brothel. You need a job reference? What? No, we don't need your employee. No, what are you a cop? I would be I would be absolutely paranoid. What are you a cop? What are you a cop? Oh man, he was great. <laughs> oh, so that was the pharmacist, huh? Yeah. yeah that was the pharmacist who Martin, got caught up in this. Martin Mull. Martin Mull. Yeah. Martin Mull is much too smart for that. What are you a cop? What are you a cop? I mean seriously. Hey, I liked you. I liked when when Charlie would walk into his pharmacy and he'd be he'd be swinging swigging the cough syrup, yeah. Oh yeah, it's got coating. It's really good. He's just <laughs> He's treating it like a flask. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But I would, if that was my choice mm. uh, for my entertainment dollar, yeah. I, you you mean? Are are you so? Mm-hmm. Are, are you so lost? Yeah. That yeah. you're a politician, mm-hmm. and you're going to a prost- you're you're going to a brothel basically online. H- have you and not seen every and, movie made 
about politicians. Yeah, and and <laughs> to and know how that's going to end. And you're giving all of your information, your credit right. card, your place of business. Yeah, who, who who does that? You put your employer down, Uncle Sam. <laughs> I mean, how is it not going to? How is it not going to end badly? I, I don't get it. Neither do I. Mil- I don't get it. Military officers. Yeah, I don't get it. And and you're. It's just the fact that it's like, what is in your? Well, I know it's in your mind. <laughs> oh no, what's in their mind is we, we know very it's, clear. Yeah, yeah, we we know we we know. Yeah, so we understand what's in your mind, but the 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 panic. I'm just talking about me. The mm. panic that I would feel having to fill out basically a resume mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. with all of my information. Right. The panic of having to do that, which I would think immediately, oh, this is so easy for me to be caught. That panic would totally supersede any type of urge that I could possibly have. I lose everything. Yeah. Yeah. Would you give us all your information in writing? This or go down to the singles bar. Right. Maybe Morgan Fairchild is down there. Yeah. That was another two and a half men. Yeah. Remember when he brought him, Charlie couldn't do it. He just, he just couldn't right. hang out with the young girls. So he brought him to right. the, the, the old person's bar, <laughs> singles bar. And she more, lives here, and, by the way. Does she, she really? And Morgan yeah. Fairchild was there. Yeah. And it was great because she was perfect. She was, I mean, she was perfect in that role. Right. She was just yeah. perfect in that role. So. Well, I mean. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, I, I just, I don't understand it. Panic of getting caught would absolutely dominate my mind where even if that's what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Yet they did. I know. They all did it. They all just basically gave their all their personal information in writing. Let me see. Is there any guy by the name? Let me see. Is there a hunter? To a bunch of hookers. Is there a hunter in there somewhere? <laughs> Politicians' sons. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that's the part of the story that got me. I understand the oldest profession in the book is always going to the uh, the oldest profession in the world. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I get my quotes right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be uh, like uh, Matt Gates getting mm-hmm. that Austin Powers right. quote wrong. Yeah. But it's you know the oldest profession of the world is always going to be there. Yeah. You know, you're, it's not going to go away, unfortunately. But, this, but the but the stupidity of of that that's what got to me. Not yeah. that not that brothels exist, because of course they do, mm-hmm. and prostitution. Keep in exists. mind, this was a high end brothel. Oh yeah, what's high end? Define high end. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to. Well, we're we're still under FCC. Obscenity rules and regulations here. <laughs> here's here's what uh, oh high end a nicer apartment. <laughs> Our, one question: Are prices better alcohol? <laughs> are prices adjusted for inflation? <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> or are they adjusted for inflammation? I, I don't see. I don't. I don't because I 
I'm just asking questions. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I know nothing about that. Just take my wallet. Of, just right. take take my whole wallet. Just take right. my wallet, my ID, here's, everything. Here's my keys. I've got my. Yeah. You take my keys. Just here's my keys. Yeah. <laughs> here's a title to my car, my right. home. Right. Anything else you need? Right. To, to verify who you need a utility bill. Right. Uh, we need to. We need to. I mean, seriously. I mean, wow. If if that's how I was choosing to spend my entertainment dollar, number one, you wouldn't get a credit card. It would be cash only. Yeah. But yet and, they and all I, did it. And I would get the cash from the ATM with plastic gloves so there were no fingerprints on the cash that I was giving someone. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> you don't want to worry about fingerprints, you know. <laughs> with all the germs and whatnot. <laughs> You never can be <laughs> too careful. <laughs> you got to be careful, kids. Wow. <laughs> Didn't even think about cameras in the room either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How about you just stay home? There's, there's an a, option. There's lots of good things on TV these days. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch the new Reacher. Secondhand Lions. Great movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty woman. Right. It's a rest. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. We've covered all topics from politics to prostitution today. Well, and the two go hand in hand. Hand in hand. <laughs> and speaking of Hunter, wow, that subpoena. How's that going to go down? Yeah. <laughs> See, it comes right back around, doesn't it? Yep. is Red Eye Radio on Westwood. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.